Seven options being discussed for the Big 12 Conference this fall. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. We appreciate you guys being here and uh, joining the show. Now, and before we get it started, guys, please take a moment out, leave us a rating, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we will get you a Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail for you. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate that. That's what's being discussed internally per a recent conversation with Kansas State Athletic Director Gene Taylor. This came from the Kansas City Star, and it said seven different options that are being looked at right now by the Big 12 Conference in the wake of the coronavirus. Now, obviously, we have no idea how many fans are going to be at these games, but this is just talking about the games. This has nothing to do with whether it's going to be 10 fans or 20,000 fans or 80,000 fans. Nobody knows at this point. But here are the seven options being talked about by the Big 12 Conference. Option one, and this is the option that everybody wants to be the case. Start the season as scheduled in early September, and you basically have a normal season. Option two, start the season in late September, ending games in December. Option three, starting the season in October and playing a conference-only schedule. Option four, start the season in September and play a conference-only schedule. So basically, you would get rid of the non-conference. You'd start, you know, around Labor Day. And you'd be done probably by, what, early November-ish? And then you could maybe play bowl games in the college football playoff. Uh, Waiting until 2021 and starting the season in January. Waiting until 2021 and starting the season in March. And then splitting up the season, six games in the fall, six games in the spring. Let's go through these. First off, we all want the first option to be the one that, you know, moves forward. That is starting the season as scheduled in early September. Uh, so that's number one by anybody's estimation. Anyone who likes the game of football, likes college football, breathes college football like we do here, that's the option everybody wants. There are three options here that I hate. Uh, the splitting up the season, six in the fall, six in the spring, is the worst idea of them all. I mean, why would anybody in their right mind uh, think that if you're an NFL prospect, you're going to come back in the spring and retrain yourself for six more games? I mean, we all would like to think, hey, guys love their teammates. They're going to play for them. Uh, st- come on. Come on, man. I mean, that's that's very unlikely to happen. So you're going to have, like, backups playing in a spring semester. You'll have the March Madness going on, possibly. I mean, what what is that all about? That makes no sense. Waiting until 21, 2021 and starting the season in March. Uh, you know, you're going to play college football the same time as March Madness, potentially? What is that all about? That's another terrible idea. I mean, just a terrible idea. Then you've got waiting until 2021, starting the season in January. Don't love it. Going up against the conference, uh, college basketball conference schedule, which I don't want to, uh, you know, going head to head against each other, but it's not as bad as the other two options. Now, the ones that actually involve playing the bulk of the games this fall include starting the season in late September, ending games in December. Now, that, I guess, would mean uh, no bye weeks and basically having everything done by Christmas. Because right now, you already play games in December, right? You've got the conference championship games that first weekend in December. So if you're starting late September and trying to play a full schedule, you're three weeks behind, take out a bye or two. You know, you still got to get into the middle of December. 
before you get in the conference championship games and then maybe a college football playoff before Christmas. But man, that's, that's tough. You're bumping up against finals. Obviously there's a lot that would make that difficult. Then you've got starting the season in October and playing a conference only schedule. I'm open to this, but there's a couple of downsides to it. First off, what we know today about the virus is that it does better under sunlight and humidity, i.e. warmer weather, i.e. summer-like conditions, than it does, you know, indoors in dry spaces, just like a typical virus and flu, right? I'm not saying they're the same. I'm not going to be the flu guy. Don't worry about that. I'm just saying... The, you know, where any virus lives is pretty similar. What it prefers, the environment it prefers is pretty similar. So giving up the month of September when many colleges are are saying that they're going to be starting up and they're going to be playing or not playing, but they're going to be, you know, starting up normal schooling in late August, early September. It doesn't seem like there's any point in waiting another month to play games until October. And also You'd hate to see because, you know, these FCS schools and whatnot, I mean, they thrive off of these Power 5 games. They fund their athletic department for the year off of these Power 5 games. Yeah, sure, OU, you want to play uh, Florida Atlantic? Yep, we'll, we'll pay you, OU, we'll pay you, uh, Florida Atlantic, you know, a million bucks to get your doors blown off and give us a win. Okay, great, sign us up. We can give Lane Kiffin a little bit of money. I know he's gone, but I'm just saying he was there, right? So uh, that's how these schools fund themselves. So you would see a major contraction of college sports if those non-conference games, especially, you know, the Power Fives against the FCSs, if those did not happen. I would not want to see that happen for the health of the sport top to bottom. So that's not preferred. Uh, Then it says here, starting the season in September and playing a conference-only schedule. Also not preferred, but if you're telling me you're going to play a conference-only schedule, that's it, no ifs, ands, or buts. Do you start in September or October? I would start in September. I've seen no evidence that justifies waiting until October to start playing that conference-only schedule. I I just see no evidence of of why that is necessary uh, right now based on what we know about the coronavirus and, you know, where it lives and how it gets handled. So, The order for me in terms of the seven options that Kansas State AD Gene Taylor says are being discussed for the college football season. Number one, start the season as scheduled in early September. No doubt about it. That's the best option. The second best option, start the season late September, play a full season and games in December up to Christmas, I guess it would be. Third best option, uh, start the season in September, playing a conference-only schedule. Uh, you know, move it up as early as you can. I don't want to sit around until October, and there's no reason to wait till October based on what we know right now. Fourth option, start the season in October and then play the conference-only schedule. So basically, no month of September, none of those non-conference games. We'd hit October, play the conference slate, and away we go. Uh, the fifth best option being discussed by the Big 12, wait until 2021, start the season in January. And sixth best option, waiting until 2021, start the season in March. And number seven, split up the season, six games in the fall and six games in the spring. Boy, do I absolutely hate that last one. Now, Gene Taylor of Kansas State went on to tell the Kansas City Star that uh, starting the season on time is going to be a long shot and that there would be many moving parts involved with a split season 
adding the idea beginning a season in January is far-fetched. It absolutely is. And I, here's the thing, though. I don't know why starting the season on time is going to be a long shot right now. I don't understand why that seems like it's going to be such a difficult thing to accomplish. I, I get why people are looking at it and saying, well, it doesn't seem likely. Things aren't looking good. I mean, think about where we were a month ago with this coronavirus and, and what the last month has brought. Who knows what the next month is going to bring? We have no idea. We don't have a clue what things are going to look like in a month from now. I mean, there's so much up in the air here that it just seems silly to say uh, we can't start a season in early September. I, I, media days are not likely to happen, right? At least not in terms of its traditional setting. Maybe it's more like a Zoom type of media days, uh, virtual media days, whatever. Not going to be as fun. Media days is when a lot of us, you know, enjoy ourselves. Those couple of days in Dallas-Fort Worth. And boy, you should see some of the guys in the Heartland College sports staff at uh, Big 12 media days. Whew. I mean, these guys. I'm like, boys, settle down. I settle down, fellas. Got a job to do here, all right? This isn't a party couple of days. Settle down, fellas. But that's a story for another day. Uh, but, yeah, I, I imagine that Big 12 media days are going to be virtual if I was just guessing right now. But you're telling me we know already that we can't get a season going in early September? I'm not seeing it. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Coming up, let's talk to uh, Derek Duke, one of our Heartland College Sports guys. Get his thoughts on, on what a season might look like. Also, we haven't had him on since the NFL draft, so he'll give us some winners and losers. That is next on Heartland College Sports Weekly. We now say hello to Derek Duke. You read him all the time at heartlandcollegesports.com. Always great to have him on, even while there isn't a whole lot going on. We can still dream about what's to come here in the fall. And uh, beyond that, Derek, good to talk to you, man. And, and let's start off with a piece that you wrote here this week, which was outstanding, by the way. The fact that uh, Texas AD, for people that don't know this story, Texas Athletic Director Chris Del Conte was asked about possibly returning a Texas versus Texas A&M matchup. And boy, did he stick it to the Aggies a little bit. He said, I looked at where we were, promptly looked at uh, why we have to create great games at home and add an incredible value to our season ticket package. We scheduled Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. And he went on to say, quote, we have LSU that won a national championship in the modern era. You go down our list. These are the brands that we should be playing home and away. And we are going to do that. Uh, that's, that's a pretty big swipe at the Aggies there, Derek. Uh, and I love it for those of us that can't stand the Aggies. I love it, man. Yeah. And you know, it seems like every single year, whether it's at big 12 media days or sometime in the springtime, or, you know, even right before the season starts, we always get this talk of A&M and Texas playing each other. It seems like every year since A&M left the conference back in 2012, we get this conversation it's always a topic among the ADs, and especially now that we have two newer ADs that aren't as familiar with the situation now with Ross Bjork at A&M and Chris Del Conte at Texas. you got two pretty new ADs, so it was kind of fun to see them. Either Both kind of, you know, Del Conte said something, and then Bjork responded as well, so it was nice to see that. But, you know, until this game actually happens, it's just all talk, and I feel like it's just going to continue to be that. It's like two kids, you know, 
I can mention it in my article. It's like a bad marriage. You know, the two sides can never agree upon anything, no matter what it is. They just can't agree upon it. And so until they can agree on something, you know, we're just going to keep getting further and further away from this game. It feels like. Mm -hmm. So then Derek, as, as uh, you know, we are further and further away from this game. I just, I don't see it happening, right? Like I want to see it happen. I think it'd be good for the sport. Uh, I think it'd be good for the big 12, uh, good for the state of Texas, but I, I just don't feel at all like it's going to happen anytime soon unless a miracle takes place. What about you? No, I feel the same way about it. Like I said, we're just keep getting further and further away from it, away from it, excuse me. And the further we get away from it, you know, the more these teams are adding these different, you know, later schedules, because think about it now, you're not scheduling a year in, year no. or two away. You're scheduling for eight, nine, ten years down the road. And once all those spots fill up, I mean, and they could obviously change, but they're pretty much set in stone, especially when you get these big-time matchups like a Texas-Ohio State or a Texas and Florida matchup, Texas and Alabama matchup that's coming up here in a few years. You get those matchups, and they're just set in stone. You're not going to mess with those. So I have a hard time seeing us get to any kind of resolution as long as this game keeps getting further and further away. But like I said, I, I seriously doubt it, doubt it happens. It seems like every year it's always this kind of talk. So hopefully one day we can get this game back. But until these ADs can, can agree upon something, I seriously doubt it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I am with you 110%. Derek Dukes joining us. Uh, Derek, some options that are being floated out there for the Big 12 or by the Big 12, and I assume would apply to all of college football, uh, there's options that include starting the college football season in early September, basically a normal season. They're starting in late September, ending games in December, starting the season in October, playing a conference-only schedule. Uh, there's September, play a conference-only schedule, wait till 2021 January, wait till 21 start in March, and then split up the season. I don't know about you, but uh, a split season sounds terrible to me. Anything involving waiting until 2021 sounds like a bad idea. If we can get this thing in in the fall, even if it's conference only, I mean, sign me up right now. What do you think the most realistic options are? I think I agree with you there. I think it has to be played somewhere in the fall. If we have to take away the three non-conference games away in the Big 12, that'd be fine. Each team would still get at least nine games in. We could still have our conference championship game in, along with obviously the New Year's Six Bowls, and then you follow it with bowl season. I think once you start trying to split schedules like that i think it can take away obviously injuries would kind of help in some cases because you have a guy with an injury you know it might help him down the road to, to get back on the field but at the same time if the team can absolutely just lose momentum like that in a real you know just a matter of weeks so i wouldn't like it from the player's standpoint and not to mention with the nfl draft now in april instead of may or excuse me now in may instead of april you would still have that that kind of gap, the gap would close on it. But to me, there wouldn't be a big enough gap because now you're going to have these superstar players at the college level, let's say like a Trevor Lawrence. Well, if, if he's going to be drafted in May as the number one overall pick, is there any point in him playing spring football for college? I mean, no. for me, it wouldn't make any sense from that standpoint. So I think in that case, I think it would hurt the sport a lot. And especially when we're talking about the big, big money and big time players, those high draft picks. So I think if they can get it taken care of in the fall, I think it would be way smarter for them to do that. And obviously, hey, it's football. It belongs in the fall, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, Derek, on top of that, though, um, something I was talking about earlier was the fact that if you do uh, take out the non-conference games, I mean, and you know this well, 
those small FCS schools, man, I mean, a lot of them are not going to make it. And uh, they fund their athletic departments off of that one beatdown they take from OU or Texas every year. I mean, how does that change the college football landscape potentially? Well, as much as I hate it, there are some still some conferences out there that have different an amount of conference games. So they would be able to schedule in maybe uh, FCS team here or there, maybe probably down to one if we're going to be talking about wiping the non-conference away completely. So I think maybe there may be a team in there that could schedule one or two in there if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I think now more than ever, for those who don't realize that football, how, just how important football is, even if you don't like football, it is the key moneymaker for these universities just to keep them going, to keep the tennis programs going, to keep the golf programs going. I think people now more than ever are starting to realize that. And obviously, you know, to nobody's surprise, we've already seen some effects that, you know, some of these group of five schools, you know, having, having the layoffs and then having to cancel some of these sports. So it's a big, big deal to try to get football in if possible. Mm-hmm. Derek Duke is our guest here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. You read them all the time. Uh, Derek, NFL Draft, we haven't talked to you since then. Uh, Some interesting Big 12 players went to different places. One thing that I look back on that was really interesting to me, one of the more interesting matchups in terms of uh, new coach, new team with a player, down in the sixth round, Bravion Roy going to Matt Rule in the Carolina Panthers. Of course, he played his college ball at Baylor. I'm I'm really interested in seeing whether or not Bravion Roy can be a uh, enforcer, not an enforcer, but a contributor at the NFL level at defensive tackle playing for his former head coach. As you look back on the draft, what are some of the picks that that surprised you, impressed you, that you thought are pretty interesting going forward? Well, you know, I, I'm sure everybody knows this by now, but I think just the biggest takeaway had to be the Jalen Hurts to the Philadelphia what Eagles in the second the round. What the hell's going on there? <laughs> I remember we talked about, about Jalen maybe being a third or possible fourth-round pick. And I said, I remember saying on the show, if he went in the first or second round, that's way too high. And then here you come. You have the Philadelphia Eagles who just signed Carson Wentz to a huge deal last offseason, and then they draft Jalen Hurts. I thought it was a huge mistake uh, from the Eagles GM, and I'm sure you know Eagles fans will be mad. But, hey, if you're Jalen Hurts, from your perspective, you're being coached by Doug Peterson, one of the best offensive minds in the NFL level. So it's a, pretty much a win-win for Jalen. Maybe not for the fan base or for the team itself because I don't know how much he's going to help. So for me, that was a huge surprise. And how about the, all these Big 12 first-round draft picks? You have five first-round draft picks in the Big 12. That was absolutely huge for the conference. Not only five, but Derek, don't forget, three of those five on the defensive side of the ball in OU linebacker Kenneth Murray, Texas linebacker Jordan Brooks, Texas Tech linebacker Jordan Brooks, and TCU cornerback Jeff Gladney. Uh, you know, we always talked about how the Big 12 is starting to play better defense and it should get more credit for it. But when you see three Big 12 defensive players picked in the first round, I mean, the national media won't give the conference any credit for it, but that's a clear sign that things are starting to get better. Oh, for sure. And we talked about, we talk always a lot about the recruiting and that's established, you know, we talk about these three schools all the time when it comes to Texas, Oklahoma, and TCU. Those are the top three recruiting teams in the entire conference and I mentioned in my article last week TCU has firmly entrenched themselves as the third best team in the Big 12 when it comes to the pure talent on the field they could just get the quarterback situation figured out I think they could do a lot better obviously Max Duggan's trying to change that but you're finally starting to see some of these some of these results pay off in recruiting and under Lincoln Riley and obviously Alex Grinch you know trying to turn that defense around in, in the Norman 
it's helping out just tremendously. Now you're seeing guys that were probably going to be third to fourth round picks jump up in those first two rounds, like a Neville Gallimore, like a Kenneth Murray. So I think from that standpoint, you're not only getting better players, you're getting better coaching, and it's just a win-win situation for everybody involved. Derek Duke, our guest. Derek, we got a minute. Uh, but in the draft, when you look back on this thing, and um, obviously Jalen Hurts, everybody's talking about is there a pick that we're going to say this was underappreciated, undervalued when it comes to the Big 12? I'd have a hard time saying that. I think we had some great signees uh, in the free agency, kind of the free agency period after the draft, you know, guys being able to sign with whichever team they, they please. You know, Ray Lima, I believe he went to the Dolphins. I yep. thought that was a great pickup for them. Uh, I thought, I'll be honest with you, I thought he was going to get drafted at some point late in the draft. Uh, if you would have told me before last season that there were going to be three other Big 12 defensive tackles drafted ahead of Ray Lima, I would have said you were crazy. It just so happened that that's what, we, it's what ended up happening. But for the Dolphins to get him without having to draft him, I thought was a huge pickup. Uh, I talked about Jordan Brooks. You know, I thought he could be maybe a day two kind of guy. He ended up going in the first round of the Seattle Seahawks. What a great fit for, and what a great organization for him to go to. I think he's going to be a stud, and I think he's going to have a long career in Seattle. Derek Duke, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Derek, always great to have you on, man. Appreciate the time, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Pete. Coming up, some more good Big 12 news. That's next. Well, we've got some good news for you on the Big 12 football front. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. Appreciate you joining us here. So, uh, Big 12 universities are all planning to open up this fall. That's a great, great first step. Uh, this came down earlier in the week. TCU head coach Gary Patterson, who is the president of the American Football Coaches Association, said that his level of optimism is very high that there is going to be a football season. He said, I think the closer we get to probably June 1, a lot of people are starting to open things up a little bit more here in May. I think we're going to be able to make a lot better decisions on what all of that looks like. That was uh, Gary Patterson this week, and he is spot on. So that leads us to believe that we are getting closer and closer to the idea of a Big 12 football season and college football season, for that matter, happening. The question is, what happens in California, right? Like, if California doesn't open up in some capacity by the fall, TCU plays Cal September 5th to open up the season. There are many questions like that that remain unanswered and will remain unanswered for quite some time. But at least you're looking at, hey, playing a, uh, you know, at least a conference schedule looks more and more likely, and that is a good thing for all involved. So that's some encouraging news here as uh, we look ahead. Also, if you saw this, uh, KU has reduced basketball ticket prices nearly 50%. Yeah, KU dropping ticket prices 50%. That's a big deal. Here's what I would do, by the way. If I was a betting man, I think that the world's going to look a lot different for the better, for the better in a few months. I, you know, I, maybe I'm just being optimistic and you can get mad at me and say, oh my gosh, how are you being optimistic? And why do you think that the world's going to be a better place? I mean, go virtue signal with someone who cares, okay? I'm optimistic that things are going to look a lot better here in a few months. And if I was looking to turn a buck, you know what I'd be doing? I would be buying up some KU basketball season tickets because the cheapest tickets last year were five or 900 per ticket for the season. 
Right now, they are at uh, 500 per ticket for the season. I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to make a gamble here. I'm going to make a bet that the world's going to look a lot better in the fall and winter than they do right now. And I'm going to make a bet that I'm going to be able to sell some of these tickets at a nice premium come next winter. Once again, I've got no way of knowing this. I am not Nostradamus. I cannot predict the future. I promise you that. But uh, the top tier tickets did not change. They're still $16.50 per ticket, the top tier. But see, instead of three tiers from $9.75 to $16.50, they have eight tiers in next year's season ticket packages for KU basketball. But you got a team that uh, you know had a chance at a national title, will still be at the top of the food chain of the Big 12 uh, next year. And you know what? If life is back to normal and KU is playing a huge game in January or February against fill in the blank, heck, maybe it's Oklahoma State, Texas, Texas Tech. You might be able to turn a nice profit on those. All right? So I'm not telling you how to invest, not telling you what to do. I'm just saying uh, don't overlook it. Lastly, as we have a few more minutes with you on uh, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, I know we talked to Derek Duke about this earlier, but let me spend a couple of minutes on it. Texas AD Crystal Conti being asked about a return of the Texas and Texas A&M matchup. And he basically said, we only want to schedule teams that have won championships in the modern era. I mean, a clear shot at Texas A&M. And I love everything about it. Every single thing about it. Uh, it's just so funny when you think about the fact that A&M. Now, listen. We, we goof on Texas all the time, too, here, right? Because for all their top 10 recruiting classes and all the money that they've spent and yada, 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 I mean, all the time, same thing over and over and over again. Um, think about the fact that A&M has been not only just as disappointing, but more disappointing. Recruiting well and still disappointing. And they'll say, well, we're in the SEC. I mean, the record, the mediocrity has not changed for AM from the Big 12 to the SEC. It hasn't. And Texas does have a national championship in the modern era in the last 15 years. All right? So I just, I love Chris Del Conte getting in on this. Now, I want to see, actually, I want to see Texas and Texas A&M play football against each other. I do want to see that. But if we can't see it, and if it's not going to happen, I will take Texas swiping A&M all day, every day, every time. No ifs, ands, or buts. Sign me up. Sign me up. Flex. Patrick Mahomes style. Mm. And I get it. Texas is in that situation where it's got nothing to gain. You know, it's got no reason to play that game. A&M thought it was above the Big 12, wanted to leave for the SEC, sick of being the little brother, and now they're like, well, we're willing to play Texas. Well, you left the conference. All right? You could be playing Texas every year and proving yourself. You decided not to. So that's on you. It's not on us. That's on you. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Thanks for being here and joining us uh, as a part of the show, as many of you do each and every week. We're going to be back next week, uh, same time, same place. In the meantime, Stay safe. Let's cross those fingers that football is here. By the way, Big 12 Media Day is going to be virtual this year. So that has been uh, confirmed here recently. So it will be virtual, and we'll see how it plays out. 
Please take a quick moment out, guys. Leave us that rating, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts, and we will uh, send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. Just send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we'll get that koozie for you. I appreciate you guys, and, uh, and we'll be here for you every week. Thanks so much. Stay safe. We'll talk to you soon.